From Moby.co, this is the Flagship Pod, a weekly live podcast about the stock market, the economy, and the various market forces powering the world around you. As always, I'm your host, Peter Starr, bringing you this time one more solo episode, as our analyst team is currently bogged down with a lot of product stuff. It's been a wild week in the markets, and rather than a conversation about it, I'm just going to give you the major updates about what our analysts are thinking about the week. So expect in the next 15 to 20 minutes me talking to you mainly about retail earnings, crypto, as well as some really interesting updates happening in the streaming space. But let's just go ahead and get into it. Starting, of course, with retail earnings themselves. So last week, we got a really good slate of the top tier of the retail market. We had earnings from Walmart and Target, who are like the big dogs when it comes to retail earnings. And this was a huge area of focus for us because consumer spending is essentially the lifeblood of the entire American economic system. So what we want to see is robust spending, but at the same time, we're seeing inflationary pressure really bog down consumers. So retail earnings are a solid lagging indicator to see exactly where the American consumer is, you know, on a three-month period as we sort of watch economic growth, because we won't really have any strong indications of whether or not we're in a recession until July's GDP numbers come out. Considering the GDP growth slowed a little bit in the last quarter, we want to know if that's actually a trend or just kind of a hiccup that happened in Q1. Regardless, let's get into the actual retail earnings themselves. There were three major points, Target, Walmart, and Home Depot, with this week being more Lowe's, Costco, and kind of the B tier of specialty retail. And let's get the big things out of the way first. Target managed to do a really good job despite reducing their guidance. They managed to just barely hold on to revenue expectations, and Target stock managed to rise a little bit. The real standout, though, was Walmart stock, who actually raised their guidance for the year while essentially hitting their revenue expectations. So let's dive into this real quick and try to get a better sense of what's happening here. Overall, government reports have showed retail spending is actually slowing down a little bit. It's still growing month over month, quarter over quarter, but it's not growing as fast as it should. And Walmart earnings is a really great way for us to see precisely where that growth is happening and where that limitation may be occurring. The headline here is is that Walmart executives are actually seeing some strain on the U.S. consumer. Walmart's earnings took into account the simple fact that, you know, basically people are shifting their spending habits from wants to needs. Walmart and Target are going to thrive on the back of them being able to sell essentials. And this became really clear because the Walmart executive team managed to give us a lot of really good indications about exactly where that shift is happening. Things like TVs couldn't be sold unless there were pretty significant promotions, and so Walmart management is shifting their perspective moving forward, making sure that they're not going to, you know, bite into their margins by, you know, offering these products. By making this huge shift into grocery over the past few years, Walmart has really set themselves up to be very successful in this new environment. And so, honestly, that's more encouraging to see than anything, because what we're watching right now is inflation hit kind of its apex, right? Inflation basically peaked in June, but inflationary pressure basically goes up every month. Prices go up while wages, you know, stay stagnant in order to, you know, combat inflation. And so, like, the worst pain the U.S. consumer is going to be in is this quarter and potentially next quarter unless we see a lot of, like, relief and we see people move into new jobs after the big wave of layoffs we saw in Q1 and maybe a little bit in the beginning of Q2 as well, right? And so, since the U.S. consumer is managing to maintain spending, at least at the big box stores, we're very excited to, you know, think we're basically weathering this economic storm. Again, we don't know anything until July, and then again, we probably don't really know anything until October once we get that GDP data, barring any black swan events that may happen in the commercial real estate space or anything else. But it's really encouraging to see that there are some areas where spend is strong. Unfortunately, that does come with consequences, though, particularly the beginning of last week when Home Depot reported earnings and managed to post their first earnings miss in 20 years, right? The loss didn't really affect their stock at all. In fact, they're up 1% on the week after a pretty significant 
significant dip after earnings came out, and it's a really great way to see exactly where consumer spending is shifting, because while Home Depot did have a mild revenue miss, that also came after elevated revenue during the COVID era. Basically, people were stuck inside their homes and had no choice but to, you know, improve those homes with the spare cash they had in 2020 and 2021. Now that spend is shifting back to actual essentials, so for the first time ever, Home Depot has to adjust its guidance, but the market isn't overreacting here. So again, we're not seeing the U.S. consumer get beaten, so to speak. We're just seeing spending trends actually change direction, which is why we've been having a big focus on travel lately. Because truly, with basically the whole market saying COVID is over, we are shifting our perspective from going inside buying things to going outside and having experiences. So if you go to our website, you can check out our latest analysis on Cedar Fair, which is a regional theme park stock, which has a lot of relative strengths compared to the rest of the theme park market that we're really excited about. At the same time, we also added Delta to our airlines portfolio. So now our major stock strategies here at Moby.co are in United Airlines and Delta Airlines. And of course, you can head on over to app.moby.co, get a quick 14-day trial, see what we're thinking about in terms of the long-term view, because these podcasts and our emails coming out are more sort of like the pulse check, the sort of high-level view, whereas our actual analysis is more of the in-depth view. So we really hope you check that out there. And to get back to retail real fast as well, we're really seeing those shifts in consumer spending go from wants to needs with other specialty retailers as well. Foot Locker actually dropped 25% in value off of a big revenue miss, basically on the same idea. Not only that, they had to drop their guidance as well. And basically, you know, people don't need shoes right now, so they're not shopping as much at Foot Locker, which is a trend we're going to keep watching. We're really interested to see if stores like Dick's Sporting Goods and Best Buy can pull off some gains next week when they report earnings. But again, it's a really murky time to see precisely where consumer spending is shifting and how executive teams can kind of manage expectations around shifts in consumer spending. But there's certain areas where consumer spending is actually pretty bulletproof. In fact, this week, feel free to anticipate a really awesome report we have on Chipotle, of all things. Their price point basically seems bulletproof, and they're doing an excellent job of managing their margins. But again, check out app.mobi.co more around the middle of the week once we get that report out. So all in all, really, the headline here is that the U.S. consumer is basically undefeatable for right now, for now, and we're maybe really aiming at the potential for a soft landing here, barring any black swan events. Again, there's still a lot of troubling signs coming out of the commercial real estate industry, but, you know, everyone's been saying that since remote work actually started, so we haven't seen any real dominoes fall there yet, and since we are not seeing huge impacts to consumer spending, we're beginning to really think that things are more bullish than bearish, but again, debt ceiling talks are this week as well, and if, you know, the GOP decides they want to blow everything up and let us default, that can cause a whole other side of mayhem and be devastating for the U.S. economy. We'll see how that plays out, but at the beginning of the week, it's going to be a lot of bluster because, again, this is the primary time where the GOP has maximum negotiating power, and so you're going to hear a lot of really negative-sounding noise. I really don't think the Republicans are interested in blowing up the whole economy. There are elements in that party that kind of are, but for the most part, uh, people are interested in maintaining economic order and keeping the economic system going. And so, when we look at that, we're just going to be watching week-to-week trends, and so we want to find other areas where we're kind of noticing long-term growth begin to move in different directions. And one area that's becoming a lot more interesting to us is actually the crypto space. Bitcoin's been pretty flat in the high sort of 20k area for the past month after a lot of banking concerns caused it to shoot up. And that's fine and all, but under the surface, there's a lot of really interesting activity that's getting us to pay a little bit more attention, and I want to take you through that. Uh, first and foremost, on May 1st, 
31st, so, you know, 20 days ago. Sorry, we're only getting this report to you now. Bitcoin's blockchain had the most daily transactions basically ever posted to it. Basically, activity is skyrocketing on the Bitcoin network in, in anticipation of a lot of developments. Basically, Bitcoin now has the technology to allow developers to launch NFT-esque assets. They're not exactly NFTs. They're kind of like NFTs. I mean, I can't believe I'm saying the word NFT in God's own 2023, but here we are, folks. And so a lot of the activity on the Bitcoin network is people developing NFT addresses for a single Satoshi, which is the smallest possible unit of value you can have on the Bitcoin blockchain. Don't worry about the gobbledygook, y'all. Just understand activity is entering the space again and people are developing NFT-esque projects on Bitcoin now. So anticipate... I don't even know. A lot of, you know, projects coming out of this space, they're going to generate a lot of hype around what's happening in the market. At the same time, a popular decentralized exchange, Uniswap, saw roughly double the number of new projects enter their exchange month over month compared to last month. It was around 20,000. This month, last month, it was just 9,000. So a lot of new development happening in the space, and you're seeing kind of the fruits of that labor, right? With the Pepe coin going absolutely meteoric and, and achieving brief meme coin euphoria. So we're seeing bull sentiment creep back into the crypto space, but the major question is why? So we're seeing NFT projects be developed on the Bitcoin network. We're seeing meme coins kind of ride again. And we really think this might actually just be the crypto equivalent of insider trading. During the sort of mania of 2021, there was a lot of like vaporware projects that were hyped up by various actors that allowed people to achieve exit liquidity without sort of manipulating the price of Bitcoin. You see a lot of this with people day trading in the crypto space as well. You see sort of big movers push the price of Bitcoin up or down to help them maintain their prices. We're beginning to think that a lot of these meme coins that are getting developed are a way for more air quotes institutional crypto investors to get exit liquidity out of the crypto space as opposed to waiting for big price actions in Bitcoin, in Ether, in all of the big plays. So right now we're not really calling a bull run in crypto, but we are beginning to see the signs of the market starting to really shift towards, okay, let's redevelop Let's find projects that add value. Let's find projects that just are like memes, make a lot of money and get out for those really high risk degenerate players. So there are a lot of little factors here that we're beginning to watch. Once again, not calling a bull run in crypto, but as traders, you know, it's going to become really exciting over the next couple of months as the crypto space develops, as positive sentiment develops in the U.S. economy as well. So that's something we're going to shift our perspective on as we keep watching. We're not changing our long-term holding portfolio. Again, that's mostly Bitcoin, Ether, Solana, Polygon, ICP, and a bunch of other really small plays. But one thing we're also watching is the fact that Binance has once again exited another country. Binance effectively ceased operations in Canada last week after a bunch of regulatory pressure basically made it impossible for them to do business there. This comes after Binance stopped trading in the Great British Pound and asked the Australian government to cancel one of their major licenses as well. So we're seeing Binance get boxed in a little bit. Is Binance as a exchange seeing a lot of weakness right now? Not necessarily, but we're watching as they limit their markets and we're wondering if this is them consolidating or if this is them capitulating to pressure or if this is more of like a troubling sign of weakness at the exchange itself. And it honestly is just very hard hard to tell right now. Of course, Binance is the last exchange standing and so stands to have a lot of benefit if they can survive into the next bull run, barring the development of any other bigger competitors. But again, we'll have to see. And so this market really relies a lot on long-term trends. And so we're still trying to find those long-term trends that can help us sort of understand where the market's going to be in six months, rather than just always chasing these sort of volatile measures. And one other area that's really interesting now is actually the streaming wars. So two major events happen 
happened in streaming last week that are kind of telling us who the major players are going to be because the one thing that needs to happen in this space for it to make sense to invest in is consolidation. There's simply too many players. Paramount had a pretty good run, but their stock just, you know, hasn't caught up. The Rider Strike is going to choke out a lot of these plays as well, and so we want to watch as more major players with other differentiating factors can develop strength and also win in this space. And the two players are going to be Netflix and Disney, it looks like. First of all, earlier last week, Comcast all but announced they are more than likely going to sell their stake in Hulu. The obvious buyer is Disney there, but Comcast is now trying to play their hand a little bit to get a slightly higher price than an acquisition offer they had kind of bottled up in 2019 before everything, you know, kind of fell apart. So Hulu coming to Disney is a huge moment for consolidation and kind of will allow Disney Plus to be a more robust streaming offer and allow them to better compete with the likes of Netflix. This is a huge moment of consolidation, and it's also a great move for Comcast because it allows them to streamline operations a little bit better as well. So that's all very exciting, right? And at the same time, Netflix is showing that they can survive and make revenue in lots of different ways. They announced last week that they have 5 million new subscribers in their ad-supported tier. Remember, Netflix now has a cheaper option that allows you to watch, but, you know, watch with ads, so to speak. And that absolutely soared last week, because not only does this tier have 5 million subscribers, 25% of all new subscribers are joining the ad-supported tier. Which, you know, is a little interesting to say, because why are we excited about customers joining a less expensive tier? tier? Well, the paradox here is pretty simple. Netflix will basically make more money from the ad-supported tier than any other one because the margins they make up in ads are, tend to be crazy as long as they execute on that well. So we're not quite ready to initiate a new strategy in Netflix yet, but things are trending in a really, really positive direction. And again, setting up for that final battle between Netflix and Disney Plus in this new era of streaming as the streaming services hopefully consolidate and get back to a bunch of major players as opposed to the very fractious and hard-to-parse industry we have now. And that's effectively it. What we're watching this week is more software and specialty retail earnings, of course. Again, all we're looking for is just health in a very battered economy. More and more likely, it kind of looks like we might get this soft landing that Jerome Powell and crew have been aiming at, and it's really exciting to see how the market is recovering. Another big focus this week is going to be NVIDIA earnings, which drop Wednesday after the close. NVIDIA's valuation is pretty spicy right now. They're sitting at about 25x earnings. Right now, that valuation might actually be justifiable given how NVIDIA is struck where the revenue is going to come from. Again, they can make money in a lot of different ways from just the AI space alone. And also, NVIDIA is acting like a patient zero in the AI space. So if NVIDIA does well on the back of AI revenue, that's going to drive a lot of bull sentiment for anyone else who's doing an AI play. But in the same breath, if NVIDIA does not meet their elevated expectations, that can spell disaster for like a wide area of the market and bring down valuations across the board. So pretty high stakes earnings call Wednesday evening. And other than that, we're just trying to see where consumer spending is shifting and see how this economy is maintaining strength. Of course, all of this gets blown up if the GOP takes the nuclear option and says, we're just not going to raise the debt ceiling at all. We're just not going to listen. That's kind of where the negotiations were on Friday when the GOP just walked out of the negotiating table. Again, it's probably more theatrics than anything. This is the strongest negotiating position they will have throughout this congressional session. So they're going to play their hand while they can play it. It's not them being unreasonable. It's just them trying to make sure they get the best possible deal. Of course, I drove the markets down on Friday, 
But as soon as the deal is announced, expect a huge sort of like overvalue spike from the markets as we get a kind of mini bull run from that. Regardless, that's a pretty solid place to end it. Again, we try to keep these solo episodes shorter because it is just one guy monologizing at you for roughly 15 minutes. Do you enjoy that? Is that super fun? Email us at hello at moby.co and let us know. Otherwise, just know we are finally exiting a lot of really important development phases here at moby.co and this should be the last one of these solo episodes we do. Regardless, audience, we really appreciate your time. If you listened all the way to this moment, I really appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening, but that's a pretty good place to end it. So just so you know, audience, this podcast is produced, hosted, and voiced by me, Peter Starr, in particular today as it's a solo episode. All of the intellectual value that comes from the flagship pod here at Moby.co comes from our analyst team, which is headed up by Justin Kramer, our CEO, co-founder, and chief analyst here at Moby.co. Again, if you want to get inside more of our long-term perspective, check us out over at app.moby.co. Find us in the App Store or the Google Play Store, too. You know, our app is getting more and more robust every day, and it's just a very exciting place to be right now. Otherwise, we're also on TikTok and Instagram, getting you daily insights. And you can also feel free to sign up for our email list, which again gets you a sort of daily digest of what's happening in the market every morning. Regardless, audience, all we're trying to do here is develop your confidence and make sure that you will be a strong long-term investor. Let us know how we're doing there. Otherwise, though, thank you so much for listening. And as always, we like to leave you with peace, love, and incremental gains. Everyone be well. Thank you so much.